the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What you and I say, a little slip of the tongue has the power to affect the lives of others. We can injure, we can damage people. You know how we damage people? What you say to your children can crush them. I have, I have heard with my own ears children being called names. Parents calling children names like stupid. Saying things like you're a brat. You're ugly. You'll never amount to anything. You're a fool. Damage that life. Shatter that self-image, which is so hard to put back together. I've heard it said, and you probably have too, that words can be like bullets. Once you shoot them, there's no calling them back. They're going to do what they're going to do. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Our study is from James chapter 3 and is about the power of the tongue and how to tame it. James describes the human tongue as something no human can tame, but God can bring it under control. Here's Pastor Steve. James is driving home the power of the tongue. And in order to convey it to us, I've come up with an outline that I think you can get a handle on. Three categories show us the power of the tongue. If you're taking notes, these are the three categories. Number one, it directs us. The tongue directs our lives. It directs others' lives. It also destroys. Not only directs, it destroys. And it also diagnoses our spiritual condition. Number one, it directs. Look at verse 1, chapter 3. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. The tongue directly influences people, whether you recognize it or not. And to show the power of the tongue, James first focuses on teachers. Because teachers, like nobody else, influence their pupils. And, and he's speaking here about teachers of the Word of God, though we can certainly apply it to those who, who are school teachers, those who, who have any contact with people, but specifically those who teach the Word of God. A teacher does his teaching primarily by using his lips and talking. Now, James is not attacking the, the position of teacher. That was highly exalted in the early church and ought to be highly exalted in every church. Not that the person is, but the position is. But rather, he's warning his readers not to rush into the fields of teaching because there's a greater judgment awaiting teachers. Did you realize that? There is a greater judgment. When God judges us for our works, teachers have a greater judgment because they have been handed the oracles of God and been commissioned to make sure that you don't teach falsely, you don't teach your opinions, you teach the truth. The standard isn't higher, simply the responsibility is more. And teachers are warned, and people are warned, don't rush into that field if you're not called, and if you're not qualified, and if you're not ready. 
Don't do it because there's a greater judgment awaiting you. Because you're going to be judged by what you say. And it better line up with the word of God. Because what a teacher says and what he does with his life can change the course of everyone who listens to him. For instance, what I say to you, and I recognize this, and it's an awesome responsibility, that what I say to you even today could change the course of your life. Not because I say it, but because we're handling the word of God and the word of God changes lives. And you look to me and you look to your Sunday school teachers and you're going to be looking to your teachers at the Chapel Bible Institute and all those who who are discipling you and working with you and and children look to their parents as teachers. You look to those who, who are over you to teach you, to teach you God's word, not to give you opinions and counseling. Some come and they bring their deepest problems. They're not looking for my opinion. They're looking for the word of God. Real solutions. It's an awesome responsibility to teach. And we hear time and time again how the message of the word of God has changed people's lives. I hear it over and over again. It it just, uh, I I don't even uh, recall all the times people have said things to me. And it's it's not because of me. I'm not patting myself on the back. We're just pointing out the importance of of teaching the Word of God. People come to me and say that the messages on divorce has has helped them, and they sense it to this relative and that. And Someone recently told me about the tapes on the charismatic movement being sent to to a relative of theirs, a family member out in California that that helped someone not get into, who, who was kind of drifting and embracing the charismatic movement or had that potential. It helped them. It's changed their lives. The Word of God directs people. Message on temptation a number of weeks ago worked in the the life of a wife to avoid disaster in her home life. The Word of God changes lives. A teacher is used that way. The director of our tape ministry told me that just recently a pastor wrote and said, do you have anything on 1 Corinthians 10 on Christian liberty? And he he sent him the tapes, and that pastor wants more of that. And it changes the lives of his congregation. It's not because we're anything great, but we handle what is great, and that's the perfect word of God, which changes lives. It directs lives. Each one of us has known the experience of having Bible teachers who have had a profound impact on our lives. In my Schofield Bible, I use now the New American Standard, but I still have my Schofield Bible. I have a page, the, the opening page has, has, must have 20 to 25 autographs on it. And I, I don't treat it like a baseball where, you know, you want to get your heroes. But I, I have men of God who have signed that Bible to remind me, I've asked them to sign it, and it reminds me, and I look at it every so often to remind me of the impact that they have had on my life and that I ought to be faithful in carrying on that heritage of preaching the word. Because I've had the experience of teachers who have taught me and have influenced my life. I think of men like Stephen Olford, who have profound influence on my life. When I was first converted, I turned in to Keswick Radio. and I didn't know it was Keswick Radio. I, I heard this dynamic speaker one night in my dormitory room at the University of South Florida, turned it in and thought, he's teaching the Word of God. And I listened and listened, and years later met him and told him that. What an impact he had on my life. There's the biographies of of men like D.L. Moody and Dawson Trotman, which have transformed my life. 
They've, they've given direction to my life. You've known men of God, women of God, who have changed and challenged you, influenced you greatly. Teachers of the word direct the entire life of a family. And they can do it for bad as just as well as they can do it for good. In Titus 1.10, we're told about false teachers and how they damage lives. For there are many rebellious men, Paul said, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they shouldn't for the sake of, of sordid gain. They do it for money. There are false teachers. There are teachers who, who Paul said, endure sound doctrine, teach the word, Timothy, because someday the people will not take to themselves teachers of the truth, but people who tickle their ears will tell them just what they want to hear. That day is upon us. People who will teach Reader's Digest and magazines and won't teach the word of God. Just teach us things we want to hear. And so teachers direct lives for the good or for the bad. And James says, don't rush into the field of teaching. Especially because not only does a teacher teach with his lips, and that's primarily what James is dealing with, but you teach with your life too. That's why there's qualifications for an elder. That's why there's qualifications for, for a Bible teacher. Because God doesn't want just anybody teaching. Because if your life doesn't have some measure of consistency, what you say has no impact on people's lives. So he says, my brethren, don't rush in to being a teacher because there's a stricter judgment. You direct lives. You who teach in this church ought to be very careful about what you say and how you live what you say. And you never know who's watching you, do you? When you go out into the community and you, you sit at a, at a table in a restaurant, that waitress can overhear what you say. Are you nasty to her if she doesn't give you good service? Now, there's a nice way of saying you didn't give me good service, and there's a nasty way of saying it. Would you be ashamed to tell her you're a Christian? What about that fellow who took your parking space just as you were about to pull in there? Could you tell him the plan of salvation? After you uh, honk your horn and roll down your windows and said a few choice words? There's a greater judgment to those who teach. But you see, so many people are interested in the spotlight. You see, in James' day, it was very obvious that, the, and maybe we have forgotten this and gotten away from this, but the Christian teacher took the place of the rabbi in Judaism. And the rabbi was highly esteemed and honored. He was greatly honored, sometimes even above parents. Because the, the Jews felt this way, the rabbis had taught and the Pharisees had believed this, that the parents brought you into this world physically, but it's a rabbi who takes care of you spiritually and takes care of you for the next life. So they honored the rabbi tremendously. And the Christian teacher took that position and and many want and still want today the spotlight and the praise of men, which is wrong. James says, forget the spotlight, forget the prestige. You have a greater responsibility than anyone else because you handle the truth and you have a greater judgment because God holds you accountable for being accurate. This is very important. Think about that. Those of you who teach Sunday school, those of you who, who disciple, 
You have a greater judgment. Don't rush into that field. And you know, I think it's a wise thing and, and something that we ought to be very careful about. Too many times we take brand new believers and make them teachers in Sunday school classes and think that it's good for them. What they need is to sit in that classroom, not, not teach, not for a while, sit in that classroom and soak in the Word of God so that there'll be something in their life to teach, that they'll know what they're teaching. And I, I abhor the... The fact that, that we, we sometimes take teachers and put them with little children, teachers who have just been saved, young people who have just been saved, take them out of classes and say, well, what difference does it really make? They're only teaching little ones. Do you know Charles Ryrie, who's the chairman of the, of, of the uh, Department of Systematic Theology at Dallas Seminary, teaches fourth graders? The man who wrote the notes for the Ryrie Study Bible, the man who has written uh, perhaps more books or, or is right in that field with those who have written the most books of any evangelical Christian, that man who is brilliant, who has a PhD, who has degrees coming out of his ears, teaches fourth graders. We need to be very careful who we make teachers. That's why the Bible says, not a new convert is to be an elder. Make sure that there's some consistency of his life. Make sure he's proven. Make sure he knows what he's saying and make sure his life backs up what he's saying because that wrecks a life. When a teacher stumbles, people stumble with him. When it's a public sin. As a matter of fact, Paul says, when an elder sins publicly, he ought to be rebuked publicly. Public Ministry means public rebuke. There's a greater judgment. Be careful. And that's what James is saying. He's warning us. And then he goes on in verse 2. He kind of moves away from the teacher. He says this, For we all stumble, not just teachers, we all stumble, we sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. What he's saying is this, Though teachers have the responsibility to teach the truth, James is saying this, the truth is that we all stumble and we all sin. There's not, none of us who's perfect. And especially we sin by not controlling our tongue. And then he says that he isn't speaking just about teachers, but all of us do. But there is a type of person who controls his tongue. This person is called a perfect man. Now, he doesn't mean sinless. That's not what he's saying. The, the Greek word means mature. If you can control your tongue, you can control the rest of your body. You can control your life. If you can control your tongue, you're a mature person. You evidence in your life that you've reached maturity by what you say or what you don't say. Hebert, who is a very fine Bible teacher, says this in his commentary on James. He says, since the tongue is the most difficult to keep under control, victory at this point assures that he also is able to check and to control the activities of the whole body. He's able to control all his members and capacities that sin seeks to use to express itself. The picturesque term to bridle denotes that he's able to restrain his whole body effectively to prevent its use by sin, as well as to guide and direct its activities in desirable ways. He exercises self-mastery over his whole body so that life, uh, like a horse under a stiff rein, it does his bidding. Now let me give you some insight into this. What is James saying? 
Do you know that the only way you can control your tongue is, is by the Spirit of God controlling your mind? You see, I, I, I was going to say I forgot to tell you, but I have purposely not told you this. The issue is not really the tongue. Though James is using that, the issue is the heart. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I heard the story recently of a man, a Christian man, who let out a bunch of swear and curse words and said to his friend, I, I don't know why I said that. I, I, don't, I don't know what got into me, why that ever came out. And his friend wisely said, because that was already in there to come out. What came out was already there. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue is simply the organ that expresses the sin of our heart. And what James is saying is this. If the Spirit of God controls you, you are under his control, that will evidence itself by you will be controlling your tongue. Because if you can control your tongue, you show that you're controlled by the Spirit of God. The tongue simply speaks what's already stored up in our minds or in our heart. If your tongue is under control, then your whole body is going to be under control because that demonstrates, that evidences, that reveals who's controlling you, yourself or the Spirit of God. You see that? And I want to say this, that silence is not the issue. It isn't spiritual just to keep quiet. It isn't, you know, you can, you can uh, it'd be painful, but you could staple your mouth. You can stitch your lips up. I had that, that experience when I couldn't speak for a number of weeks out of stitching my mouth up, but I had a little card that said, I cannot speak, I have a virus, and my doctor orders me to keep silence. It was a very frustrating time, but there was nothing spiritual about that, just keeping quiet. It's controlling what you say that's, that's the evidence of spirituality. Anybody can really keep quiet if your purpose in your heart is to just shut up. That's not the issue at all. Silence is not what he's talking about. Shy people are just naturally quiet. That doesn't mean that they're any more controlled by the Spirit of God because they keep quiet. As a matter of fact, it could evidence if you're too quiet that you're not controlled by the Spirit of God because there is a time and a place to speak. Barclay says James is not for a moment saying that silence is better than speech. He's not pleading for a cowardly silence, but for a wise use of speech. God wants us to control what we say. God wants us to think before we speak. That's so difficult. To be sane in the use of our words. To be wise. All of us have people that we influence. You don't have to be a teacher of the word to influence people. School teachers, they're going to be influencing the lives of those children who sit under their, their teaching. Parents, Direct the lives of children. The power that we have in the tongue to direct our lives. How impressionable children are. My son goes around repeating what I say. He hasn't got the foggiest idea what I'm talking about, but he repeats it. But sooner or later, that's going to click what those words mean. We change lives with what we say. Teachers do it. Parents do it. Friends giving advice. If you give the wrong advice to somebody... Think about that. Be careful what you say. Lives are directed through speech, so make sure your words are controlled. 
I have people occasionally come to me and say, you know, it was something you said that really helped us. I can't even remember. And then they tell me something about what I said. I can't remember that I even said that. But the power of the tongue is there to direct lives. In verses 3 and 4, James gives an illustration of this. He says, let me show you what I'm talking about. I want to show you from two illustrations, the horse and a big boat, a ship. He says in verse 3 and 4, Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold, the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. He gives us two pictures, a bit and a rudder. I don't know much about horses or much about ships, but I know this, that though they're, the horse is massive, the horse is a large animal, but a little bit in comparison to his body controls him. It directs his, his way. You can lead that horse around by the bit that's in his mouth. I don't know much about big ships. I was on a cruise liner one time. It was like 22,000 tons. That was big. But I do know this, that there's something called a rudder that controls that big ship. And the ships in James' day were not tiny boats, what he's talking about. As a matter of fact, one man has researched that the boat that Paul was on when he was shipwrecked had 276 passengers plus it carried wheat. It was a fairly large boat. Not as large as what we can carry today, but it was large. It's a big boat. But in comparison, the thing that directs that boat is that little rudder. Massive horse. And, and, and the horse, the, the bit goes around that mouth and around. The, most, the strongest part of his body is that neck with tremendous muscles. Just a little thing like that controls the horse and it controls the boat. James is saying something very interesting. Look what he says in verse 5. So also, just like the bit, just like the rudder, the tongue is a small part of the body. It is. The tongue's a very small part. Medically speaking, the tongue is a two-ounce, four-inch slab of mucous membrane. Don't throw up. Mucous membrane that wraps itself around nerves and muscles to help us chew, taste, and talk. That's all. It's a small part of the body. It's just a little, little tiny part of the body. But look what he says. The tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. And you know what? In its pride, it's not wrong. It boasts of great things. And you know, it can boast. It can boast of great things. It isn't boasting about things that are false. It's boasting about things that are true. The power of the tongue. Because it directs the life of people. Look at it this way. A runaway horse... Or a shipwreck could mean injury or even tragedy to people who are passengers. And you know what? The same thing is true with the tongue. What you and I say, a little slip of the tongue has the power to affect the lives of others. We can injure. We can damage people. You know how we damage people? What you say to your children can crush them. I have, I have heard with my own ears children being called names. Parents calling children names like stupid. Saying things like you're a brat. You're ugly. 
You'll never amount to anything. You're a fool. Damage that life. Shatter that self-image, which is so hard to put back together. You can injure someone. I've seen hearts broken over what people have said to one another. Marriages just, just destroyed and devastated because of the cruel words of a husband or a wife saying words like, I no longer love you. Get out of my life. But when your tongue is controlled by the Spirit of God, it edifies. It builds up. It has the power, the capacity to give godly influence, to change lives for the glory of God. It can destroy or it can give life. Peter preached at Pentecost and used his tongue and 3,000 were saved. What a contrast between the uncontrolled tongue and the spirit-controlled tongue. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Thanks for tuning in. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to find out more about Lakeside, visit lakesidechapel.com or call 727-441-1714. If you maybe missed the beginning of this series from James chapter 3, you can catch up by clicking the message archive link at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Browse our extensive library and download or stream any of the previous broadcasts that you'd like. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. I hope you'll join us for the next Verse by Verse as we learn what our words tell us about our hearts. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.